You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast presented by me, Kevin Lynch. another episode of the Tenuto podcast. That introduction music was actually created by me back in my sophomore year of college at Penn State um, for this this podcasting class I actually took. Uh, I never, I honestly never thought that I would have any use for it ever again, but I guess I never thought I would start a podcast about teaching music. So, um, on today's episode, we actually, we're going to start out with a couple of segments before we get into our interview with Brandon. And the first is called Mythbusters. So, Mythbusters. I graduated in 2016, not 2006. I got about 20 text messages last week from people asking me why I said that I graduated in 2006. So, there you go. Myth busted. All right, and then our second segment is what I like to call things that I'm doing in school that have been working. So I work at a school where I'm a co-band director, meaning that every day I'm in the classroom and there's another band director in the classroom. And typically we'll use this format where someone will be on the podium and somebody will be taking students out in small groups So it's been a really good year so far. This is my first year teaching, and so far it's been really great to to learn from the teachers that I work with, especially because one of the teachers has been teaching longer than I've been alive. She's been teaching for 35 years, and this week she came to me with an idea that she, she does a lot, and she's done it in the past, and we started doing it this week during class. We're going to do it all throughout January. And the way she she pitched it to me to, to see if I would be on board was she started talking about how the typical model of a band classroom works fine, right? There's a teacher on the podium, and there are students facing the teacher. The teacher will tell the students what they're doing wrong, and the students will fix it. That works fine. You can get great bands from doing that. But the problem with that format is that the teacher gets really, really good at figuring out problems and how to fix problems. And the students get really, really good at letting someone else solve their problems for them. So, in an effort to get the students more involved in the learning process, we set them up into small groups of about four to six students and mostly by instrument the bass instruments like Barry sax, tenor sax, bass clarinets, we put all of them together. And throughout our week, we lesson planned towards this concept of collaboration, 
We wanted the students to start figuring things out and helping each other, becoming leaders in the classroom, and really teaching each other, and us being more of a guide, a guide figure in the classroom. So a lot of the questions that we were asking were you ask the question, and then the students figure it out, they collaborate, and they talk, and then they play. So one of the things that we started with was simple warm-up techniques. What do you guys do for warm-up techniques? What are you guys doing to warm up? And then they would go, they would collaborate, and then we would say, okay, now try these out with your, with your groups, and then we're going to talk about it. So already they're talking, they're playing together, and then we, we taught like that for the entire lesson. So there's a lot of good things that come from this, and like I said, we were really systematic with the pods we created. So, or not the, well, the small groups that we created. So we, we knew who the leaders were. We knew who the kids who might get behind were. We tried to put them together. We tried to put the, the students who needed help with the leaders. And then the quiet students who we were unsure of but had potential, we also put them together so that they could emerge and the quieter students could actually come out as leaders because we all have those students in our classroom who they're really quiet and they don't answer a lot of questions but they're doing great and when you talk to them one-on-one -on -one, they're doing great so we put a lot of those students together and it's been really rewarding to see the the kinds of things that they've been doing while they're working together rather than talking in front of the entire group now like i said we're using this teaching style for pretty much the entire month of January and it has been an adjustment for me to change my teaching style to allow for collaboration because there are times when the room is getting really noisy kids are playing kids are talking there's a lot of noise especially in those brass classes and uh, what we want is I mean you have to become okay with that at some point because the learning is going on and yes, you can be a control freak, but you also have to be okay with noise when you're doing this. Um, and it took a while, but I, I am getting used to it. You also have to work on the questions that you're asking and making sure they're focused, make sure there are questions that can be discussed, not yes or no questions, things like that. Overall, as I walked around the room and I listened for all the things that were being said when I asked these questions, these collaborative questions, I was so impressed, especially from the students who are extremely quiet all the time in class and don't raise their hand. It's been really rewarding. Letting these students figure these things out by themselves rather than a teacher telling them has been really beneficial so far, and I'm really excited to see how it keeps going out through January. Although it's been a change, so far, it's been really good. All right, and speaking of change, our next guest has had a huge change in his life. He moved down from Minnesota to Bolivia. That's right, third world country Bolivia, where he teaches 5 through 12 band, grade 5 through 12 band. A um, little bit about Brandon. He studied at Concordia College in Minnesota, and uh, he holds his music education degree from there. He studied clarinet and also minored on the horn, and then after college, he took a year and taught elementary strings in Minnesota, and then he took this leap of faith, moved down to Bolivia, and we're going to hear how it's going. 
So here's the interview with Brandon. All right, I'm here with Brandon Salden. Brandon came all the way from Bolivia to do this interview. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So me and Brandon met at Interlochen Arts Camp, what, two summers ago? Mm, yep. Yeah. And Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am in my second year teaching. Um, I just went to South America um, to check out like the international scene. I'm really liking it. Um, I graduated from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. So talk to me a little bit about teaching. You started at an orchestra, right? Um, elementary I, orchestra. I did. That was my first teaching gig. Um, it was quite the experience because before it, I had zero, zero string experience. The only string experience I had was really learning how to play the string instruments in college. So you were a band person going into strings. Yes. What was that like? Um, was it, it scary? Were you nervous? I was very nervous because I not only had to tackle the teaching strings thing, which I was completely new to, I also had to also go through all of the first year teaching things, as well as uh, learning how to be a traveling teacher as well. So you were at multiple schools? Yes, I was at three schools. Wow. And you were the only teacher at each school? Uh, well, I wasn't the only teacher. But, but I, mean, I was music-wise, for strings. Um, I was the only string teacher, yes. But thankfully, there was also a band teacher that was there as well during those days and who had been there for a long time. So she really kind of took me under her wing, was my mentor, told me kind of how the schools worked, how... Um, she teaches music, what she's found, um, and she she doesn't have a lot of string stuff, so I didn't really go to her for string-specific things, but she's been teaching music for a while. Um, but because I am a band person, she also told me some of her tricks of the trade in regards to teaching elementary band. Um, she had taught, I think, middle school previous to going to elementary um, in the same district. Uh, so I kind of... I asked her a lot of questions just in teaching in general, teaching music, um, like rhythm kind of things I could go to her for. Um, but anything string specific, I went to another teacher who was kind of like my orchestra mentor or that's my nice. professor from school. Yeah, so that's something that I've been really into is having mentors uh -huh. and like having people that you can go to for questions. Mm -hmm. So that's really nice that you had that. So you taught strings uh -huh. for a year. Uh-huh. Elementary strings. Yes. And now here's the part that I really wanted to get into. Uh -huh. You moved to Bolivia. I did. And now you're teaching band. I'm teaching band. I'm teaching 512 band. First off, tell me why you wanted to move to Bolivia. That's pretty crazy compared to little old Minnesota, as we call it out here. <laughs> I don't think they call it little old Minnesota. <laughs> That's what we call it. But, um, I never, like woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to move to Bolivia. That was never part of my plan. Teaching orchestra was never part of my plan. So when you were in college, you didn't think international teaching, that's for me. I thought about it in passing. It was kind of a, it'd be really cool 
to teach in another country. But when I thought that, I thought more like Spain. Um, because like that, the Europe side of things is kind of, was always more attractive in my eyes. And I feel like it's more attractive in a lot of people's eyes. A lot of people kind of forget about Asia, South America, yeah, Africa. Yeah, definitely forget about not that they for, Not that they forget about anything, people listening. But uh, it's just, when you think about traveling, you think Italy, Germany, England, France. And now you're in Bolivia. And now I'm in Bolivia. Third world country. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got to be a little bit intimidating. Um, it's definitely different. Um, what I love about being an international teacher is that I get to learn another culture. I get to learn about another people. Um, but I also learn so much about my own culture uh, because you see how these new people do things and it makes you think about how you do them and how your family and friends did them back home. And the cool thing is, is that you as a person then get to decide which one you like better and can continue in the future. Um, There are things that I think... Bolivians do better. I think there are things that I would prefer to do the way I did them at home in Minnesota. Yeah, sure. So I really like being able to explore that, and I hope that I can continue to do that in the future as well. Yeah, so I also feel like, compared to when I was in school, it is almost like, even here in the United States, it's almost like a new culture where technology has really taken over Kids are really all about technology, iPhones, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So here in America, I I already feel like it's a totally different culture than what I grew up with. Oh, absolutely. Can you give me some, some examples or some, some, what, what is different about Bolivia than here? I mean, in general, um, the Hispanic culture is much more social. So I have found that, um, that the students are more of a unit. Uh, and I can see them the fact that they they love to just talk to each other. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there are, are a lot of students here in the States where they can keep to themselves. They do talk to each other, but I feel it's not in the same way that my, these new students that I have talk to each other. Like, They're not as social. They, are, they tell each other everything they're so much closer and have such deeper relationships that i feel students have here sometimes um is that hard in the in the classroom like classroom management stuff uh it can be difficult yes um but it's just i don't ever chalk it up to culture i don't say oh they're just bolivian like that's the way things happen so i'm gonna allow it um i really just take it to change how I'm teaching because as a teacher you have to be really adaptable to things you have to be very flexible um but as a music teacher I say okay if they're talking they're not engaged in the music what we're talking about of course yeah yeah you want them to say so I use that as a tool to help guide me Mm -hmm. so I say oh no the saxophones are talking right now it must mean that they're not they haven't been playing for a while Let's get everyone back together. Maybe I've been working on this section too long. Yeah, I, uh, that is a good guy. So, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Okay. Best thing about teaching in Bolivia. Best thing about teaching international would be blank. 
learning about another culture. Learning about and, yes, and then I, and then in turn learning about your own. Right. I really like that. I think that that would be really really valuable. Worst thing about teaching in Bolivia is blank. Learning another culture. <laughs> be- and I, I say that because, like, you go through college, you go through teaching, you go through your life, and you know this one thing, and you're very comfortable in that thing, and you know how it works. But when you get into another culture, like, it is, it is weird to be not in the know. Yeah. Like, there are social cues that we go through that you see every day, and in the States, you think nothing of it. Right. But when you go into another culture, and you see, like, that they're not doing those social cues, or they're doing social cues that you didn't know about. Yeah. And that, and you just think it's so strange, and it puts you out of your comfort zone, which is a great thing, but also a scary thing. And so... It's the best thing about teaching internationally, and it's the worst thing, just because you you don't want to seem like an outsider. You want to be part of the group. Absolutely. But because you are an outsider, you you didn't grow up in this culture. Sure. It's it's exhilarating to learn about it, but it's also scary. And you're learning so fast, right? I mean, Absolutely. you just moved that down there, what, this September? Uh, July, end of July. July. Wow. So... You've only been down there, what, about four and a half months? Four and a half months, yeah. So this is all pretty pretty new to you. And right. And this is your first year down there. Yep. So, honestly, like, props, props to you for <laughs> doing this. I mean, it's such a huge accomplishment, Thanks. man. So go ahead. Can you just tell me, I don't think we, did we go over what your job is? I don't think so. Okay, so what, <laughs> so Brandon, <laughs> what is your job? Like, what are you actually doing in Bolivia? Um, I teach 512 instrumental music, so I teach from the beginners until they graduate. So they, so they start in fifth grade. They start in fifth grade. And, and you in, start them. I start them, yes. Okay. Uh, and in this program, um, I really like this aspect of um, the school's program. In fifth grade, band is their general music. So I see every single fifth grader. And the reason that I like it so much is, one... You get to show every student what it's like to play an instrument. Whether they continue it or not, they have that experience. And it adds so much to their life, I believe, to learn how to play an instrument. Um, And second, I get the entire year to convince them to continue in the band program. Mm -hmm. Because for sixth grade, they get to decide whether they want to stay in band or go to choir. So you have the luxury of being almost like your own recruiter like Mm -hmm. you have the option to get them to stay Uh it's on you right which can be a lot of fun and pretty kind of scary too it is good to have the entire program because then i'm also the one that gets to decide where i want them at the high school level like i get to kind of push them um and say all right by the time you get to the top ensemble, this is what you need to know. Like, that's a really cool thing to be able to do um, and have that control. And the top ensemble would be 12th grade. Uh, it would be, in this school, it's 912. 9-12. Uh, just because the program is still growing. Um, next year, um, if I 
still, if it's still 912, I will have an ensemble of 80. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to break that down. But it's super exciting that that's a problem that we have is that the group is getting so large. Yeah. Because in the past, the high school ensemble has been maybe 10 people. Wow. So the program, even though um, I'm not the one who built it to where it is at its current moment, um, has been built by the previous teacher very well, and I'm excited to kind of keep pushing it forward. So I ask this to every single one of my guests. Okay. This is a question I ask to everyone. Go back in time one year. Okay. So for you, this would be your first year teaching, uh-huh. right? Because this is your second year teaching now. We're going back in time one year. Okay. What advice would you give yourself one year ago to that, Brandon? Um, I honestly don't know. It's a tough question, and I, we, I didn't prepare Brandon for any of these questions. We're just going, we're just going boom, boom, improvising right now. So, you can think about it, but, I mean, first I, thing that comes into your head, what do you, what do you think? I don't know if I would give myself any, like, I don't know if I'd go back in time to change anything to give myself advice, because as a person and as a teacher... I am very reflective. I am very um, adaptable to things. So I enjoy going through the experience and then going, how can I be better? Even if something went very, very well, there's always some place that could be better. Maybe, uh, maybe this section could have been better sounding. Maybe... I could have said this thing more succinctly, shorter, so that they could play more, uh, or something along those lines. Uh, And I feel like my life has been in such a whirlwind uh, over the last year, just because... A lot of change, right? Yeah, there's been so much change in my life. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if I would want to go back and tell myself to make anything different, because then I would come at the experience differently, I would, it wouldn't have the same end result as it, what is happening at this current moment. So to pass Brandon, you would say nothing. I don't, I, I would opt not to go back in time and tell myself anything. Because you value the mistakes you made. Yes. And you think you, you learned something from I, them. And I grew from them more so than someone telling me that advice like, there's a, there's a difference between me telling you how to do something better and you failing and figuring that out for yourself. It is more, it is so much deeper and more meaningful when you fail and figure out how to do it better yourself than someone saying, oh, by the way, you should do this. Right. I love that. Because then you're making the conscious effort to be better. There's a lot of answers to that question that I gave you. I love your answer. So, Brandon... Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Of course. Um, so here's, here's another thing that I like to do with yeah. every single one of my guests. Uh-huh. It's called Rapid Fire. Okay. So I'm going to ask you questions. Okay. You're going to answer them uh-huh. as fast as you can. Okay. First thing that pops into your head, okay. you're going to answer. <laughs> okay. Okay? Prepare yourself. My mind is centered. Here we go. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Favorite thing about teaching? Students. Least favorite thing about teaching? Students. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite thing about Bolivia? 
New culture. New culture. Okay. Um, favorite thing about America? American teaching. It's comfortable. How do you feel? Because I know it. Okay. Um, favorite piece of music? Ooh, um, there's so many. Uh, the first one that pops into my head is David Mislenka's Symphony 4. Ooh. Solid. Good choice. Um, f- best instrument to start? If you could start a band of only one instrument, what would it be? Clarinet. Band, if you could eliminate one instrument from the band, it would be... Oh, wow. That hurt a little bit. I don't think I want to continue with this. Uh, It's either that or saxophone. I could do without this. All right, Brandon. Well, that you finished the segment, and so glad that we had you on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, Thanks so much for flying out here to do this interview. (laughs) Of course. I know that it costs a lot, and it was a long flight for these 18 minutes and 42 (laughs) seconds, but I'm really glad that you did it. So you're the second Tenuto podcast interviewee. How does it feel? Feels pretty good. All right, Brandon. Thanks so much. All right, so that was our interview with Brandon, and he is such a fun guy to talk to. That interview was so much fun to do. Um, Next week, we have Chad McCartney coming on the podcast, and we had a great interview with Chad just talking about some of the things he does in his classroom, and it's it's very educational, and it's really inspiring. I had a really good time interviewing Chad. He's my former student teaching co-op, and he's been teaching for about 20 years, so he's a real master teacher. Um, I was talking to one of my friends this week about just... The time of year, I mean, it's January, we just got back from winter break, and it's hard, it's hard, man, I mean, I I call this month January, February, a little bit of March, it's kind of like the grit months, where you're, you're grinding your teeth, and you're just going at it, and head down, don't think about anything until summer, and just working really hard, and a lot of people can get down in these months, so... I have a little bit of inspiration from Steve Jobs, a little clip for you guys to keep you motivated. So here's Steve Jobs talking a little bit about teaching. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, and you don't really love it, uh, you're going to give up. And that's what happens to most people, actually. If you really look at, 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 at the ones that uh, ended up you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society and the ones that didn't. Oftentimes, it, it's the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere when, you know, when it got really tough. And, and the ones that, that didn't love it quit because they're sane, right? Who would want to put up with this stuff if you don't love it? So it's a lot of hard work. I think Steve Jobs said it best when he said that you have to be a little bit insane to be good at whatever you want to be doing. So, I hope all you insane teachers out there keep inspiring your kids every day and keep working hard, grit, through this month. And I hope you have a great Tuesday.